We've been going through 1 Samuel, uh, and we've been in there for a while, so if you're just joining us, uh, you kind of got to get up to speed, but you can go and you can listen to stuff. It'll be fine. Um, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 30 this morning. We're continuing this story of David. Uh, we're going to stay and uh, finish 1 Samuel here over the next couple weeks, and then we're going to go straight into 2 Samuel. Um, I've been enjoying being in the Old Testament, and... I like it. And originally, First and Second Samuel was one book. Someone else split it up, so we're just going to treat it as one book. We've been watching the life of David, so it'll be great to see what God does in David's life through Second Samuel. It's just going to keep getting gooder and gooder and gooder. So let's go. First uh, Samuel thirty. We're going to be in verses nine through thirty-one. It says, "So David went, he and the six hundred men who were with him, and came to the brook Besor, who where those stayed who were left behind." But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water, and, he, and they gave him a piece of cake, of figs, and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk no water for three days and three nights. And then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of a Malachite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the, those guys in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, where he burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything, which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with them. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered, us, delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies, they shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here's a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who are in Bethel, those who are in Ramoth of the south, and those who are in Jatir, those who are in that place, and those who are in that place, and those who are in that place, those who are in that place, and those who are in the cities of that place, and those who are in the cities of that place, they're in that place, and those who are in that place, and those who are in that place. Those were in Hebron and all the other places where David, can you say it? And uh, him and David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. And I love Jesus. I love his word. But man, you get into that stuff. And I'm like, whew. 
So let me, let me give you the, the, the lowdown on this story. Um, last week we talked about how these guys, the Amalekites, they came down and they uh, raided the area of David and his men and they ended up taking uh, their wives and their stuff. And so David doesn't know what to do. So he goes to God and he says, God, should I go and attack these guys? Should I go and, and, and get my stuff back? And, and God's like, yeah, go. You're going to beat them and you're going to defeat them. So they go down and on their way down, uh, there's 600 guys with David. 200 of them are like, we can't make it. We don't want to go. So they stay. As they're going down, they find an Egyptian that had been with the Amalekites. And then they say, like, hey, will you help us get this guy? Will you help him? And then the Egyptian guy's like, yeah, we'll help you as long as uh, you don't hurt me. They go down, destroy the Amalekites. Destroy them. Take all their stuff back. Get their money. Get their women. Like, they're good. They're back where they need to be. David has all these spoils. And as they're coming back from the battle... They meet the 200 that had not gone into the battle. And the 400 say, like, don't give them anything. They weren't in battle. And David's like, hold on a second here, man. We're going to share our spoils with these guys. So they share it with the spoils. And then they've got so much of the spoils that David then goes and he shares it with all these people that he had kind of done wrong with. He uses that as a means to rebuild the relationship. Um, <clears throat> what's, what's going on in this story? What, what, what is this story about? Um, there, there's, a, there's an old uh, FVC song that we used to sing way back in the warehouse days. Back, back, back before, uh, back before it was, you know, it's cool to go to FVC now, but back in the days it wasn't nearly as cool. I, I, I tell people I wouldn't have gone to my own church. Um, and it's been about, it's been about 10 years since I played some piano. Well, actually not 10 years, it's been since last service. Um, but, but I pulled out this song uh, last night and I said, you know what, let's see if we can sing this song to uh, bring it back. Because this is like remix, you know what I mean? It's like a reprisal. So it goes a little something like this. You guys got to help me with a little bit of a clap, all right? So it goes like this. It goes... Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. Back what he stole from me. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet, he's under my feet. He's under my feet, he's under my feet. He's under my feet, he's under my feet. Satan is under my feet. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He cleansed my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise His name. He says just the same. Come on and praise Him. Look what the Lord has done. That's some old school FEC, man. Back when me and Pastor Crystal used to lead worship. Some good stuff, man. Y'all didn't know I had it like that, did you? You know, I, 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 my kids have always loved that song because they grew up on that song, right? I mean, they'd be little kids be like, under my feet is under my... Y'all don't know nothing about that Holy Ghost hop, you know? Um... 
And, and, and sometimes people come against that song because they're like, what's that song about? That song was written because of this portion of Scripture. I went down to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. It said to David, I will make your enemies your footstool. That's what the Scripture says. He's under my feet. Many times the devil will come into your life and try to steal things from you. You cannot let him. You must go back to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from you. I, for one, am not going to give up my fight against the enemy. I'm not going to let him steal my faith. I'm not going to let him steal my family. I'm not going to let him steal my joy. I'm going down to the enemy's camp and I'm going to take back what he stole from me. The Bible says in John 10.10 that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his economy. That's all he knows. He operates in destruction. And as a child of God, you have a choice. Either I'm going to roll over and I'm going to take it, or I'm going to go back to the enemy's camp, and I'm going to take back what he stole from me. Amen? Amen. Now, if we're going to go into the enemy's camp, we've got to know what we're doing. <laughs> can't just merely go in singing a song. Yeah. Gotta have a, have a little bit more of a battle plan than that. Yeah. If you're going to destroy the enemy, you cannot get discouraged. Yeah. You cannot get discouraged. Discouragement means a lack of courage. Yeah. It means you had courage and then courage was taken away from you. And so if you're going to go into the enemy's camp and you're going to fight him, you have got to go in there with some courage. You cannot go in there without it. In this scripture in verse 10, it says, But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary they could not cross the brook Besor. Now it's understandable. These men, these 200 men, a third of David's force said, You know what, man? We just don't have what it takes. We're weary. We've lost courage. We, we can't go into the fight with you. They were unable to enter into the fight because they didn't have the courage to go into the fight. And I don't know why these guys lacked the courage to go to war and they stayed back, but I think that they had lost belief. They had forgot the promises of God. They forgot that they served a God that was with them and went with them. Amen? Deuteronomy 31.8 says, And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Folks, <clears throat> courage is lost when you forget the promises of God. When you forget whose you are and who you are, who is in you and who is with you, you lose courage because you forget that God goes with you. Amen? Amen. And discouragement happens. I get it. I get discouraged. It happens in my life. And what happens in discouragement is that you end up uh, leaving your relationships. You end up leaving your marriage. You end up quitting jobs. You, you end up ruining your life because you lack the courage to continue in the fight. But I will tell you, friend, you need to have the courage of the Lord if you're going to go into the enemy's camp. It's very easy to fall into a trap of mental destruction. It's easy to get discouraged. But if you're going to go into the enemy's camp, you have to go in with courage. You have to do it. And so I would challenge you this morning, have you forgot who you are? Have you forgot whose you are? Have you forgot that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you if you are in Christ Jesus? 
the God that created the universe goes before you. He goes with you. He goes behind you to protect you. He gives you His courage to fight the enemy. You will not do it on your own. Have you forgot the promises of God? Have you lost the courage of the Lord to fight the enemy? Has the enemy come into your life and come into your camp? Stole your joy? Stole your peace? Stole your family and you've sat by and said, Man, I, I don't think I can go back in there. I don't think I can fight him. You need to get back to where you need to be and get the courage of the Lord once again. The Bible says in Psalm 55:22, Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. That's a promise of God. That's a scripture to quote. That's something to be remembered. If you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 144, uh, David said, uh, said this, and I'm, I want to read you Psalm 144. You know, when, when you get to know the heart of David and then you read the Psalms that he wrote, you, you understand why he wrote these Psalms the way that he is. One of the things I've been loving about going through 1 Samuel is that it makes the Psalms so much richer to know more about David. Psalm 144, a song to the Lord who preserves and prospers His people. Verse 1, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Lord, what is man that you take knowledge of him, or the son of man that you are mindful of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speaks lying words and whose right hand is, right, is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. The one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword, rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speaks lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as pillars, sculpted in palace style, that our barns may be full, supplying all types of produce, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands, in our fields, that our oxen may be well laden, that there be no breaking in or going out, that there be no outcry in our streets. Happy are the people who are in such a state. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. Friend, the creator of the universe is a mighty God that goes with you into the battles of life. Amen. If you, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ and you're living for Him, you are not out there on your own. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're not living for God, you are on your own. You're, you're out there punching the wind all by yourself. But if you're a Christian and you're with the Lord, He's going with you. Amen? Amen. Have you forgot this promise? Have you lost this courage inside of your heart? You are not alone. You are not a rogue fighter trying to find your way. He is with you. Yes, amen. I, I know the times that I get the most discouraged is when I feel alone. Yeah. When I feel like no one's there to help me. No one's there to support me. And, and what happens is that you start to feel a certain kind of way and then you start putting it inside of your head and then you, you start believing it. You start thinking like, man, I'm lost. Like no one wants me and no one wants to be around me. I'm not, I'm not in the place that I need to be. And then you start getting discouraged. Anybody else identify with that? But here's what the Bible says. 
Romans 8, 31. What, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If I've got the creator of the universe on my side, why should I be concerned at all about anything else that's going on inside of my life? If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? Jeremiah 1.8 says, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Amen? Get prayed up. Worship. Remember His deliverance. Quote a scripture. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 1.8 that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witnesses. The promise of the Lord is a promise of power. It was never a promise to be broke, busted, busted and disgusted and not walking in the power of the Holy Ghost. It's a true power. It's a real power. Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow streams of living water. It's a promise of Scripture. You do not go through this life alone. Amen? Amen. Psalm 91.7 says, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Walk in the courage that God provides. Appropriate it. Gather it. Get His courage. Amen? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Scriptures. If you're going to destroy the enemy, you've got to fight with all you got. The the devil does not operate by rules. He he doesn't look and be like, well, I'm not going to touch this part of their life or I'm not going to deal with this part of their life. No, when he comes, he comes with an all-out assault. And he he gets you in the places that you care about the most. The the places that you love the most, the places that he wants to attack the most. And when he comes, he brings it with everything that he has. So if you're going to go against him, you better bring everything that you have with you. Amen? Verse 17, Then David attacked them, the enemy, from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. See, what happened was is that David had heard from God. He inquired of God and said, Lord, uh, what would you have me to do? And God's like, go down and fight. So when he went down to fight, he fought with everything that he had. He didn't go down kind of half-hearted trying to negotiate. Like he didn't go in and say to the devil, and be like, hey man, um, <clears throat> talk to God about this. And uh, you're going to lose. I'm going to win. Lay down your weapons. And uh, we'll just go from here. That's not what he said at all. No, he came in saying, dude, you're fixing to die. Like, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to bring everything that I have to destroy you because I want to beat you so bad that you're never going to get up at all. Amen? Amen. I want to I I share a story. I wasn't going to share it, but it's third service. Can I share it, Dan? Alright, so when Dan was in high school, I love this story. Uh, (laughs) This is one of my favorite high school stories of Dan. Dan was on the football team, and Dan was really good at football, even as a freshman. And and I remember that uh, there's uh, a guy named Lamar. Wasn't his name Lamar? Wasn't it? Yeah. And... uh, and so Lamar would always pick on Dan during football, right? And uh, Dan, I think he was a freshman, and Lamar was an older guy on the team, would pick on Dan all the time. And one day at practice, Dan told Lamar, he said, listen, if you pick on me again at practice, I'm going to beat you up after practice. And the guy's like, rah, rah, rah. And so then they go out to practice, and I love the way that Dan told the story, is that 
So he said, the guy was picking on Dan during practice. After practice, Dan took off his helmet. He took off his shoulder pads, went into the corner of the locker room, pow, 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 laid out Lamar. He wasn't saved yet. I think it was when you were a freshman. And, uh, and, and, and Lamar just got laid out. Just got laid out. Dan just left, went back, put his stuff in his locker, and went home. Next day, Dan gets pulled to the principal's office, and the principal goes, so how many guys were with you when you beat up Lamar? <laughs> Dan's like, nobody. It was just me. And then, and then the, the guy's in the office, he goes, tell him the truth. It was just me, wasn't it? The guy's like, yeah, it was just Dan. It was just Dan. <laughs> He said, why'd you beat him up? He goes, because I told him he was going to beat me up. I told him I was going to beat him up because he kept picking on me. He said, is this the truth? The kid's like, yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, I think you got a one-day suspension for that just on principle. But I, 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 I love a beat-up-a-bully story. It's always a good story. <laughs> but what I also love is the, is the word picture of like, I don't think Lamar picked on you anymore after that. Like he's kind of like figured out like, Dan isn't the guy that you want to deal with, right? <laughs> If you're going to de destroy the enemy, destroy him. Yeah. Like, like don't, don't come halfway. Don't, you know, you don't, don't come back with a little bit. Come back with everything. Because yeah. if you go with everything, chances are he ain't going to come back. It's like Pastor Steve was talking on Wednesday. He said, you know, the devil comes by Pastor Steve's house and just goes, I don't think I want to deal with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't come under attack a whole lot because the devil knows what he's going to get when he comes at me, man. He's going to get it all. Live your Christian life in such a way that the devil doesn't even want to tangle with you because he knows what he's going to get when he comes at you. Amen? Beat the living pulp out of that guy. Now, I always have to do a little side note here so we don't get carried away. We're talking about spiritual things here, okay? Some, some of the dudes get really excited when you talk about violence. And they're like, this is what I've been waiting for. You know what I mean? They're like, on the 5 o'clock news, talking about like, pastor preached a sermon. I was like, holy war, let's go. Okay? Spiritually speaking, we want to beat the pulp out of the devil. Amen? We want to hit him with everything that we got. But like, it's not going to take flames and arrows. Okay? Spiritually. Isaiah 54, 17, though, says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is for me, says the Lord. Can you agree with me that most of the battles that you have in your life are not physical but spiritual? Yes. And that if you're going to fight a spiritual battle, you need to fight it spiritually and not physically? Yes. Spiritual, spiritual problems cannot be fixed physically. They just can't. You have to attack them in the spirit. Um, uh, Brian spoke to the men yesterday at the man up and he talked about the armor of God. Ephesians 6 chapter 12. Uh, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of wickedness in high places. If you're going to fight spiritually, uh, fight spiritual problems, you've got to fight them spiritually. Amen? Sadly, we are no longer an army of the Most High moving through the land destroying enemies. Saddened about that sometimes because honestly, if I had to go to war with the dudes in this church... Dude, we would make it happen. Like, we got some dudes at this church. We got some men that will make it happen. But we're going to make it happen in the spiritual realm. Amen? That's what we're going to do. The only rule of warfare is to win at all costs. The armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 has no back shield. 
There's no back shield to the armor of God. It's only forward. Let me show you this in uh, Psalm 18. In Psalm 18, uh, and in my Bible, um, it actually has a, a little description of, this, of the psalm before you read it. And it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, in Psalm 18, verses 37 through 42, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of all my enemies so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save. Even to the Lord, but He did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt into the streets. Hallelujah. That's some warfare scriptures, isn't it? Man, you get me excited talking about scriptures like that's the type of mindset that you got to have when it comes to beating the enemy. What does it mean to you? What what is your, what is your attack plan when it comes to fighting the enemy? Huh? What's your attack plan? Coming to church every once in a while? Come on. Eh, six weeks, we just kind of show up. Come on. Is your plan to play on your phone and do some candy crush during worship? Come on. That's your plan. Plan to be sitting listening to a sermon and being on Facebook instead of listening to what the Lord's telling you this morning. You know, hey, you know, I don't know what happened. My kids, they ended up serving the devil. We took them to Sunday school every couple months. Come on. Huh? Come on. Dude, the time to get ready for the battle is not when you're in the fight. The the time to learn how to fight is not after you get punched in the face. The time to train for war is before the war happens. You've got to have a spiritual attack plan to prepare yourself for the times when the enemy comes against you. David was a man of war. David had gone to battle with Goliath. David had fought lions. He had fought bears. When it came to fighting this enemy, he had been prepared beforehand to go in and fight this enemy. He already knew how to fight. Your spiritual life is in shambles because you're not in the fight. You're giving up the fight. You're rolling over and taking it. You're just saying, well, you know, that's just the way that things have got to be. It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not the way that things have to be. You're a child of the Most High God. Fight like it, man. I'm friends with an MMA fighter, and he's not one of I mean, he's kind of off it now. He's getting older, but dude, this guy, he just has zero fear in his life. And, and the, the reason why I was talking to him one time, I said, man, you just don't seem to care. Like, you don't really have any fear to fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. He's like, no, I don't. I said, why? He goes, well, you know, once you get punched in the jaw, your jaw breaks, and then you see, well, I'm going to live, and I can still fight. You fight really, really hard. You don't, let, you don't let a little thing kind of hold you back. Problem with the child of God is sometimes we just, you know, oh, my fingernail hurts. I can't really continue my fight. Are you kidding me, man? Get up and fight like the God that lives inside of you. Amen? Continue to fight. I love Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. It says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Hallelujah. Fat like stall-fed calves. (laughs) 
Amen. Verse 3. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Amen? First Timothy 1.18 says to fight the good fight. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now, international diplomacy aside, and we don't need to get into the details, over the last hundred years, America has fought in a lot of wars. The ones that they win decisively are the ones when they destroy the enemy. They, they leave nothing behind. There's like, we're going to beat you to a point where you have no longer have a will to live. When America goes in and tries to change hearts and minds, it gets dragged on and a lot of people die. Warfare is, has to be decisive. It, it has to be like, you know what, we're, we're going to take this thing out and beat it into uh, oblivion to the point where it never wants to come back. You can't kind of remove the cancer out of your body. You don't sort of win a fight. You don't almost climb a mountain. Nobody's impressed with the seventh person in the world. Like, it, it, like it's not that impressive. The Bible says in Proverbs 24.10, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I don't know if it's that scripture. The other one says that if you can't run with men, how can you run with the horses? Is that in Jeremiah? But here's the thing, friend. You will not go there on your own. This isn't, a, this isn't a hype up, do it on your own type of sermon. This is a fall into the arms of Jesus, rest in His power, and go fight with Him. Amen? Amen. There is no spiritual battle that you are intended to go in by your own. Zechariah 4.6 Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Isaiah 52.12 For the Lord will go before me, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Amen? Amen. Now here's the deal. If you're going to destroy the enemy, you've got to give people grace. Man, you've got to give people grace. David wins. He goes down. He wins this battle. He gets the spoils. He even goes so far as he holds it up and he says, This is David's spoils. Now what he does next is key. Now, many people that I've seen in my life, they, they will uh, be fighting a battle, they'll win, and they'll get an increase in their life, whether it's emotional, sp- spiritual, physical, whatever. They, they used to be in a, a place of not having enough, and now they're in a place of having more than enough. And in that moment, the character rises, and they keep it all for themselves, whatever it may be. And, and they don't want to serve God anymore. They don't want to help anybody anymore. They just needed help on the way up so they could go live lives under themselves. But this interaction with David's troops show a lot about his heart. This is really a picture of the grace of God when we look at the, the life of David. And, excuse me, when they're, when they're coming back, remember there's 600 guys, 200 guys couldn't go into the fight. The 400 go, beat the pulp out of the Amalekites. They're coming back. The 200 are there. And, and the 400, look at the 200, and, and, and watch what the, the writer of 1 Samuel says about these guys. It says in verse 22, Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered. That, that was the heart of them. Their, their heart was so bad that the writer of Samuel includes that they were worthless and wicked because of their heart towards the ones that weren't in the fight. But David shows grace. He doesn't have to, but he shows mercy. And in that moment, he displays the heart of God. 
He says to these guys that, that, that were weary, that didn't have what it took to go into the fight, he says, you know what? Even when you don't have courage, even when you can't fight, you are Israel and you will share in the victory. That's the grace and the mercy of God. And I will tell you, friend, you may be in a bad place spiritually. You may feel like you don't have strength. You may feel like you're not going to make it. As long as you're in the church of the living God, you will share in the spiritual spoils of this church. You will be taking care of spiritually. You will be taken care of and you will live with us and experience all the blessings of God until you get to a place where you have a strength to be in the battle as well. Amen? Amen. You are not alone. You're not alone. And David says this to his troops and he says, you know what? We are a collective group, not a stack-ranked hierarchy. If Israel wins, we all win. We don't stand around and say, well, this person didn't have the strength. They didn't have the strength, you still get some. You still get some because we're a God of mercy. As as God has shown us mercy, we're going to show you mercy as well. Luke chapter 6 verse 36 says, Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. I think David finally understood how merciful God had been with him and he wanted to extend it to him. I think in this moment he realizes and he says, You know what? I I don't deserve to have this win. I I don't deserve to have these blessings. And so all I can do is give it back to the people that have helped me along the way. These guys lacked courage, man. They didn't fight. They didn't deserve the spoils, but they got them anyway. What does it mean to you? We're supposed to destroy the enemy, not destroy each other. The, the, the fight that we have spiritually is not a fight against each other. It's a spiritual fight against the evil one that's trying to pit us against each other. Every, every time there's strife or division or anger within the members of the church, Satan's in the back holding a worship service like, Oh, this is great. I'm so glad. He loves to see us destroy one another. But just like those guys that didn't have what it took to go into the battle and got the blessings that they didn't deserve, none of us deserve what God gives us. I was a wicked man in need of a Savior. I was an enemy of God. And God bestowed upon me the blessing of salvation. And then even so now, like I got everything that I needed the day I got saved. But God still comes around and says, You know what, Matt? Even though you don't deserve it because you still aren't where I need you to be, I'm going to throw some blessings on top of you. I'm going to give you things you don't deserve. I'm going to let you experience things that you shouldn't experience just to let you know that I'm a God of mercy, that I'm a God of love, that loves to bless His children. It's the reason why Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give uh, good gifts, how much more so does your Father in heaven give give good gifts and the Holy Spirit to those who seek after Him? Amen? We don't deserve anything that we have. All that we have is from Him. David won the battle, but it was God that won it through him. It was a smaller force. He never should have won. He couldn't have won it on his own. It was only through the power of the Lord that he was able to win. It's the same thing with Goliath and the other battles that he's been in. It's always been because of the Lord. Now, if you'd be honest with yourself before God, you would have to say, there's not one thing that you have that didn't pass through the fingers of God. God gave you your abilities. God gave you your personality. God gave you your intellect. Oh, I came up with this plan on my own. Who gave you the ability to come up with the plan? You're you're only alive because God wanted you to be alive. And then you want to turn around and, and, and throw a party to yourself and give yourself awards talking about, I did it on my own. 
There's nothing that you have that didn't pass through the hands of Almighty God. Your work ethic, your those chance meetings where you met someone and you got that job, or you met your spouse, or you were saved from danger. Like everything in your life has been orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many times have you lost courage, you were unwilling to fight, and God still did it anyway? I mean, haven't you ever gone through these seasons where you just feel depressed and you feel lonely and you don't have what it takes? You're not reading your Bible, you're not worshiping with gusto, and then you turn around two months later and God's just pouring stuff into your life. And you're like, God, I don't deserve this. Why are you doing this? And God's like, because I love you. He loves to show mercy. He loves to bestow blessings upon His children. I'll tell you, in my own life, I've been tired, worn out, defeated, feeling like unable to continue on, and God has shown me grace. And because of that, how can we not be people of mercy? Like one of the most disgusting things about Christians is that we're forgiven of all of our sins, but we won't forgive other people. God shows us mercy, but we refuse to show mercy to other people. It's, it's wicked. It's wickedness. I deserve nothing. And, and, and so if, if somebody's like, oh, I want to do this, I'm like, well, okay, you know. I mean, I'm not saying you have to be a spiritual doormat, but it's like, why do you have to fight so hard against your fellow Christians that are just as broken as you? It's like, you know what, man, I forgive you. It's fine. Let's go get some chicken. Let's go hang out. You know what I mean? How can we not be people of mercy? How can we not forgive? How can we not share with His church? Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against uh, another even as Christ forgave you so you also should do what oh wait dang it must do you must do we must forgive forgiveness isn't an option for a Christian we have to do it and there's also other scriptures that you can catch online. Romans 12.10, Ephesians 4.32, Matthew 5.7, James 2.13. I don't have time to read you all the scriptures about mercy and forgiveness. Here's, the, here's my fourth and final point. Then we'll get out of here. To beat the enemy, you have got to be generous. You've got to be generous. Uh, at the end of this story, David is gracious to his people and he gives them some of the spoils. But then he goes even farther and he begins to go share these spoils with all the people. It says that he went back to all the places that he had roved. And when he was roving with his guys, he wasn't being a very nice guy. And so now he's going back to all these places and he's giving these people some of the spoils as kind of like a peace offering. Like, you know what, man, we went into this battle. We got more than we thought. We got more than we expected. And, and we're going to share it with you. We're going we're to be generous with you in the same way that God was generous with us. Verse 26, Now when David came to Ziklag, he spent, excuse me, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. These are all the people that he went against and all the people that he had hurt where he enrobed, and he could have kept it all. And, and this is what happens with people that lack generosity. They feel like, if I hold on to this, I'll have more power. If I give it away, I'll lose power. And I'm not even talking about material wealth. I mean, uh, whether it's knowledge or it's power or it's love or it's encouragement, people hold on to it and think like, well, if I give this to somebody else, then I'm not going to have any. And so if I don't have any, then I'll be discouraged. And then I won't have a plan. It's like a business owner that refuses to show a new person how to be successful in business. If you don't help other people be successful in business, your business is going to fail because that's that's not how God's economy works. <clears throat> the Bible says in Proverbs 11.25, 
The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, in 1 Chronicles 22.14, we read, now watch, David's generous gives away all the spoils. 1 Chronicles 22.14, we read that David had 5,000 tons of gold. 5,000 tons of gold. Literally trillions of dollars worth of gold. Uh, some of the, some of the uh, commentators say that it was actually worth more than gold is worth today because he had so large of the percentage of the gold that had been mined on the planet that it even put him in a more powerful financial position because he had like 70% of the gold on the planet. So it's literally trillions and trillions of dollars of gold. 5,000 tons of gold. Now, in addition to that, according to 1 Chronicles 22.14, he had 50,000 tons of silver, bronze, and iron, which was even more trillions of dollars. Now, I don't know if you're anything, and I, I really only figured this out this week, so don't act like, I didn't know that. I didn't know it either, till this week. Um, because all I've ever been taught is about the wealth of Solomon. Everybody always talks about King Solomon and how rich he was and how much money he has and everything else. David's never known for his wealth. No one ever talks about how rich David was or how much gold he has, whatever. Why? Because his generosity and his heart after God is what he's known for. The Bible doesn't describe David as a man who was rich. The Bible describes David as a man that had God's heart. A heart of generosity. A heart that said, you know what? I don't even care about this stuff. Like, it's all for the Lord. Like, I'm just going to give it to Him. It doesn't matter. The greatest part of David's life was that he was remembered for his heart. But here's the principle of that, gold aside. No matter what it is, if God has been generous with you, how can you not be generous? A stingy heart is not the heart of God. David is fixing to be king and he has a chance to make a statement to his troops. And the statement that he makes to them is that I'm going to be a king of mercy. I'm going to be a king of generosity. That's who I'm going to be. This is the type of man that you guys are going to follow. What does it mean to you? Every time you're generous, you honor God and the devil gets a black eye. Why? Because the devil's stingy. And so whenever you're generous, the devil's like, Ugh, I don't like that. Why are you being so generous? And it's not just money. It's everything. It's time. It's information, talent, know-how. It's funny. Sometimes for me, I, the stingiest I am usually in my life that I need to work on more is my time. I, I, like I'd much rather write a check than give my time. Right? It's just how I am. And, and, but that's not of the Lord. The Lord's like, no, you need to be generous with everything. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. You've, you've got to get past this idea that it's a zero-sum game. There's not a limited amount of money. There's not a limited amount of time. There's not a limited amount of resources. We serve a powerful God that can do powerful things that can constantly make more. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Last scripture, Galatians six ten. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Charity begins at home, man. It's an opportunity for you to learn how to be generous and merciful uh, within the family of God, around the people that literally uh, are your family. Amen? They're the people that are walking with God with you. And so, uh, I just would leave you this morning with this idea of checking your heart to remember what you were saved from, to remember who gave you the winds of your life. Remember that and then live accordingly. Amen? 
If we're going to beat the enemy, if we're going to go down and take what the, go to the enemy's camp and take back what he stole from us, we've got to have courage. But the courage comes from the Lord. It's not our own courage. We go in and fight. We're going to fight with everything that we have, but we're not on our own. It's only God fighting through us, right? We're going to show mercy to people that don't deserve mercy because that's the heart of God. God shows mercy. And whatever it is that God gives us, we're going to be generous with it in the same way that God is generous with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? <clears throat> This morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to become one. And it's really quite easy. Either you're living for Jesus or you're not. Either you've given your heart to Him or you haven't. The Bible says is that if you've never asked for forgiveness from God, that, that um, you're His enemy. That's what it says. God, is in His graciousness, says, I, I just want to forgive you. I want to love you. But you need to come to me. The Bible has a word for it. It's called repentance. It's turning away from evil and turning towards God. It's not just to be forgiven of your sins. It's to stop living a life of sin. So you you turn away from a a sinful life and you say, I want to live for God. I want to be forgiven, but I'm not going back to that place where I was before. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow God, not a superstitious like, hey, I just want to get some of the Jesus juice today and go back and live the way that I'm living, but you want to make a life change that says, I want to follow Jesus. You've never made that decision before. I want to pray with you and I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to live for Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? I see that hand. Anybody else? Hand held high. Thank you, Jesus like to invite you to walk up here and have someone pray with you. I know that seems weird, but you're in a room full of people that love Jesus. If you, if you can't stand up in a room full of Christians and say, I want to follow Christ, you're going to get destroyed when you get out there in the world. It's humble heart. Come here, friend. Come here, buddy. No problem. Deacon's right here, Marcus. is going to pray with you. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Jesus still saves. He still redeems. He still sets free. Real God that really changes lives. Don't let this moment pass. Maybe you already know the truth, man. Maybe you've been far from God and you've been waiting. Like, man, I'm not talking about, I've just been not been doing well lately. I'm talking about like you were in the truth. You were walking with God and you've drifted away and you've been waiting for that moment. Like, how do I get back? How do I, how do I get to where I used to be? I'm so lost. I, I was a Christian and I was walking with God, but now I'm on this completely wrong path and I need to get back. But today you want to come back. All you have to do is turn around. Jesus is right behind you waiting for you to fall into his arms. If you need to come back to Jesus today I want you to, and you want to get prayer, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to come back to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that this morning? Thank you, Father. Now for the rest of us, man, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit spoke to you this morning through this message. If you need courage, ask for courage. If you need strength, ask for strength. If you need to show more mercy, ask for it. If you, if you want to be more generous in the Lord, then ask for him to help you to be more generous. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning that you give us the strength to go back to the enemy's camp. God, I know we don't do it alone, but you go with us. And so, God, I pray that you would go with us as we go to fight the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, go ahead and stand with me this morning. Amen. What a blessing it is to be able to get together and worship Jesus and hear the truth.
hear the word. Amen. Um, when you, we leave here today, uh, a couple things. One, if you're a woman, go sign up for the women's retreat. Okay. Yes, please do. It's a wonderful time. It's just grow spiritually and get closer together with the women of this church. And if you're not sure what it's all about, ask someone who's been because they will tell you all about it and tell you how worth it is to be able to do that kind of thing. Um, go get your kids. Um, drink some black coffee, eat a mini cinnamon roll, uh, build relationships with the people of this church, with your church family. Um, don't just leave here right away and say, I don't know anybody there. So get together. Let's do this thing. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for dying for us on the cross, Lord God. Thank you that we can get together uh, on a weekly basis, Sundays and Wednesdays, Lord God, and in Bible studies and women's groups and all these things, Lord God, man up that we can hear your word, that we can build relationships, Lord God. Thank you for those opportunities. Lord, I pray that you inspire us to take advantage of all of that, Lord God. And Lord, there's people in our lives who don't know you, Lord God. So I pray that instead of just holding it all in, that we share that, that we share all that love and grace, Lord God, and that truth so that more people can join us in the kingdom of heaven, Lord God. Thank you so much for this day and keep us safe as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for watching the Faith and Victory live stream. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check us out online at faithandvictory.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and we'd love to connect with you there. If you'd like to financially support Faith and Victory Church's ministry, please text FAVC to 77977. God bless you and keep you. From the FVC Live Team.